Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back, or welcome to Mentors Today. Ileana, I feel like you are not in the city today. Where are you at? Hi, Rob. Hi, everybody. Yes, I'm at uh, Tala, which is a town re- very close to Guadalajara with a friend at her ranch. We're having a puente, as we call it here, because it's the start of the uh, spring, and also it was the day of Benito Juarez birth, so it's a very important day. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Since I haven't been traveling to Mexico as regularly since the pandemic, I've lost track of all the important Mexican holidays, so. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for yeah. correcting me on that one. All right. So <laughs> speaking of Mexican holidays and not being aware of them, on my case, like we've got an awesome guest today who's coming to us from the border, right? From the actual the nexus, the crossing point between the worlds that you and I live in. <laughs> Our guest today is Stephanie Bermuda. Stephanie is the founder and principal of Startup Unidos. Stephanie previously worked inside of the SBDC, which for those not in the U.S., that's Small Business Development Centers, part of the SBA, Small Business Administration, as a business development analyst. She is a Nogales native and a rare Nogales native in the sense of being a Nogales native of both Nogales in Sonora, in Mexico, and Nogales in Southern Arizona. She is, as we would say in today's parlance, a Latinx innovator and entrepreneur who displays unwavering commitment to make an impact in her daily life and in her work and is passionate about taking her experiences and shaping binational business opportunities with both Mexico market and the United States market. She actively works a lot with startups and especially aspiring youth across the Arizona Sonora region by developing and implementing Startup Unidos's entrepreneurial and workforce education programs, capacity building, and its youth programs. Her expertise in entrepreneurial learning drives these programs forward, where she brings a robust set of skills that include lean startup methodology, how to scale your startup or your business, how to pitch and develop business plans, and brings years of experience to that that allow her to change, adapt, and face the new challenges that exist everywhere, but specifically really constantly adapting and changing and requiring change there in the border region. And she accumulated a lot of those experiences to be clear, uh, while she attended the University of Arizona in Tucson. So my friend, Stephanie, who I haven't seen since Monterey, welcome to Mentors Today. How are you, buddy? It's a pleasure, Rob, to see you again in digital form. (laughs) Thank thank you so much for inviting me to your podcast. Um, I'm excited to talk about my work on the border. So let's get started. Bienvenida, Stephanie. Welcome. So, Stephanie, as Rob just mentioned, you are a borderlander. I want to know more about that. What is a borderlander? And also, how has been being raised there and doing your, your life there and building your projects with that context in your life? Well, I mean, um, I built this company specifically because uh, I began to fall in love really with the, the power of a borderlander. First, want to know what the heck a borderlander is? Yeah. When I when I speak about borderlanders, I I talk about those individuals that are from the U.S. and Mexico that have dual existences. I'm talking about the binational citizens that exist out there. Those that have maybe not all the time dual nationality, but they are bicultural. We are adapted to two worlds. For some of us, is we have the privilege of being able to exist on both sides on a really regular basis. And the borderlander 
is the person who needs to adapt to those two worlds quickly. Okay. A borderlander is the person that has been developed because of the need of of needing to adapt to both of those cultures. It's the person that has a grocery list on each side. It's the person that has two doctors, you know, and it's the person that has a divided home. For a community like Nogales, Arizona and Nogales, Sonora, we are one city that's divided by the border wall. We are one of few sister cities. There are only 15 sister cities along the U.S.-Mexico border, and Nogales is one of them where we share a name, we share a land, uh, but we're okay. divided by by the wall. I am the first generation born on this side of the muro of the wall, so I am more American than Mexican and not enough of either. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. Ni de aquí, ni de allá. <laughs> yeah. That is a borderlander. Okay, okay. And how, how does this shape you to... To start thinking about entrepreneurship business and how you end up devoting your life doing that? Like a lot of young people, um, I left Noales early. Okay. Actually, uh, an echo that I hear from a lot of border communities in, in Southern Arizona, where we have a lot of brain drain, we can't retain our talent because of the narrative that exists here along the border. It's not a conversation of opportunity. It's a fixed mindset and it's not always ones of growth. While at the same time, that narrative exists, we are also gateways of economic opportunity. Every individual port of entry from Mexico into the United States is codependent. And there is a lot of opportunity in this community, but it's not traditional opportunity as it's expressed. A lot of young people in border communities, when they think about workforce opportunity or small business, business development, there's not a lot of inspiration. Um, small yeah. business isn't always celebrated on the USA side of, of the border. There are a lot of workforce opportunities, job opportunities that are clearly visible according to what traditional job roles may be. But when it comes to entrepreneurship, all those challenges could, could be flipped around and seen as opportunities if you encourage people to take the reins and to develop solutions for the challenges that they see every day. And for borderlanders with this dual existence, um, we have twice as much of a chance to develop a company because we um, have twice as many challenges, true, uh, but that also affords us an opportunity to resolve for those challenges in a creative way and do it in a way that others may not be positioned to do it. Because we are those that exist here on the border, those opportunities should um, pertain to us. But too often when we look at entrepreneurial history, history along the borderlands, it has been exploited by people from the outside that come in and take on those opportunities because people from within border communities, they have this fixed mindset that there's not enough there when there's really a lot. So I was invited to go back into my hometown. My, my entrepreneurial background is not in Nogales. It was developed in Tucson, 45 minutes north of, of my community. But I had to leave Nogales in order to be able to see this. And I began my journey by exposing this reality, this misconception um, to others just like me, to encourage millennials to return to the border and say, you know what? I had no idea. Nogales is far more than I ever imagined. And I see entrepreneurship as an opportunity to be able to do that uh, because small business owners create the majority of jobs on both sides of the border. So I'm supporting that entrepreneurial thinking, that breaking away of that fixed mindset. I'm changing the narrative along the borderlands while at the same time I'm supporting economies on both sides. Each country has its own, its own unique set of values and yeah. I can talk about that for hours. 
but you know, in a nutshell, you know, that, that is what, what got me going. Yeah. Would you, would you say at this point, I mean, you've been doing this for a while now and, and I, this is how I felt about you when I met you in, in Monterey. Like, would you say at this point, like, this is your life's work? Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. hit the, the clock for 20 years, five years ago, and I reset it every year. This is, this is the work that I, I, I will do for the rest of my life for sure. Yeah. And so one way or the other and, and in developing others, because I won't always be able to do it, but in developing those, those future individuals that can carry on this very important work, um, because we're not at a point in history anymore where we could just shrug our shoulders and overlook the crises and the disparities that exist out there for marginalized communities, especially overlooked border communities is who I'm advocating for and where I am focused. Um, so I'm not going to go back to sleep after COVID. Um, my eyes are wide open. I'm going to continue to push hard because if it's not COVID, it will be a next crisis. It will be climate change, which will uh, be very impactful uh, for the border. And I want to be prepared for it, not surprised by it like we were the last time. Yeah, it, I, I want to ask you if you could expand on something a little bit. So you and I know from getting to know each other, like I, I spent a lot of time in the last six, seven years pre-pandemic in Tijuana. Right. And in that Tijuana, San Diego region, obviously a point of entry, but a, a much bigger, you know, metropolitan kind of urbanized place. But I, I always heard from a lot of my T1SA friends, and, and maybe it's this fixed mindset that you're referring to, right? That there was like a default instinct to like the survival mindset, right? Versus the thriving mindset, right? So people, people maybe in Tijuana's case, like they, they wound up there, right? From somewhere else. Uh, either on a journey somewhere else or they just wound up there through within their own family patterns. And then it was just about surviving, right? And so those miss, those opportunities that, that you see, they're right there, but you miss them because you're just so focused on the daily survival. Is that a little bit, this surviving versus thriving? Is that a little bit of this fixed mindset that you're talking about or am I, am I misinterpreting it? I would say yes and no to that answer because I think that the group of individuals that you're describing are individuals that aren't necessarily at the border to emerge in our economy. They're pass-through folks. The people who need to take on the responsibility where that mindset doesn't apply and those cases don't apply are the nearly 80% of U.S. companies that are occupying space and real estate as maquiladoras in Nogales, Sonora, that sustain the economy there, and they don't have a scarcity mindset. They have a multi-million dollar companies, and they're not putting enough responsibility, in my opinion, into the economy. In, like into the, into the local economy beyond just employing local workers. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The, uh, participating and creating and being the part of change that they wish to see every day. There are a lot of individuals from outside my, migrating to the Nogales area because of jobs. The last time I checked, there were over 3,500 available positions in Nogales, Sonora, in Maquiladoras. So that's attracting um, a lot of Mexicans from outside of the area. And that's, it's also keeping a lot of migrants in the community who can take on those jobs. And Maquiladoras are actively supporting that. So... There are opportunities on the Nogales Sonora, whether you are a local, a business person, um, a supplier, especially, you know, with an, eco an economy of nearly 80% um, that's supported by maquiladoras, there's certainly a lot of uh, provider opportunities there and supplier opportunities. And then, you know, for people who are refugees or who have migrated or are waiting for asylum, 
you know, on the Noales Sonora side, um, their uh, maquiladoras are also actively looking to provide them work. So the scarcity mindset that comes from fear. You know, um, I don't think that that's a um, necessarily a, perhaps a, a Mexico issue. Although some of the people who uh, come and seek asylum on the Nogales side are Mexican, many of them are from Central and, and Southern America, right? And sure. in, in Mexico, and you know that's uh, an an immigration issue that Mexico deals with, and also the United States. You know, so immigration issues and and small business are are an animal of their own, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, like you said, that that could be a whole that could be a three hour podcast on, on just those questions, right? So I, I have one kind of related question to to the Maquiladora thing I hadn't thought about. Does the influx of people that then come from jobs, like over time, say, you know, that family moves, the person gets employment, but over time, do the natural like side hustles and hey, we're gonna set up a a, sec, a, a small business on the weekends, does that start to kind of manifest itself and then all of a sudden just the, the economic growth that comes from employment starts to create some spill on entrepreneurial effects. Is that is that like a reality in the local economy? I'm not sure. Um, on the Sonora side, where I see the greatest activity in small business creation or in development of startups is actually highly focused on youth. I see a lot of activity across the universities, um, the entire ETSEM network, including, you know, Prepatec, Tec Milenio, Tec de Monterrey at the capital, at the capital side of stuff on Sonora. And then on the local level, you know, there are over 16 universities in, in Noales, Sonora. And what the activity that I see there is uh, more so in workforce development, more so teaching young people how entrepreneurship is an option uh, to be able to uh, reach self-sufficiency, how to create a job instead of take one, how to shape and gain soft skills, how to gain experience, how to gain exposure, how to go out there in the world and explore if entrepreneurship is for you. Because when you think of the word entrepreneurship, everybody gets a different image in their head. Most people, and this is the the breakdown of that mindset, is that most people, when you say entrepreneur, they go big. They think right. Elon Musk. They think right. Oprah. They think Carlos Slim. They think you yeah. know the, the the big guys. Right, like a ritual, like goal, no? Pop culture, right? The idea yeah. of what entrepreneurship is versus what it truly is, and and how you can identify as an entrepreneur or a small business owner. There's a lot of also like, you know, Silicon Valley and Palo Alto influence out there on what it should look yeah. like to be a startup, how you should talk, how you should walk. But these things existed before the startup bros did. You know, people have been creating yeah. businesses for for all of time. And so and Mexican people, for that matter, in Arizona, nearly 50 percent of our economy is dependent on Hispanics alone. There's a lot of undercapitalized opportunities um, from not from the disengagement or not engaging the Hispanic community. There are a lot of people from Mexico that are eager to export and learn how to bring their businesses into the United States and gain rightful citizenship, you know, through entrepreneurship and business development. So there's a lot of untapped opportunity. And this is why I started this company, because I hope that you know, over time that we can stimulate more on both sides by activating and motivating and inspiring uh, more Hispanics is to dare to solve issues that impact them every day. Because the truth is nobody's coming to save us. Nobody is going to solve our own issues. We have to take the reins and we have to 
learn the skills to be able to uh, solve for the things that we see that we're impacted by every day. No more pointing to government and universities. Let's do it ourselves. You already gave us a little bit of a preview of what is Startups Unidos, which already I love the name because also the name it's like a cross-border mixture of word. But can you tell us a little bit more in concrete what are the programs, etc.? So we offer small business support services. Startup Unidos supports organizations on the Mexico side that are interested in doing business in the U.S. We also support USA companies who are Hispanic, monolingual or bilingual that are looking to be able to position themselves as stronger business owners on the Arizona side. We have funding at the state level from our governor's office to support individuals in not just Nogales or across Santa Cruz County, but we've now also scaled into Douglas, Agua Prieta, San Luis Rio Colorado, and, and Yuma. So those are the small business services that we offer. The other thing that Startup Unidos does is that we're developing our own proprietary programs. So we have developed entrepreneurship incubators, waste-themed incubation programs. We've developed crossover of workforce development programs and entrepreneurship education programs for young people from middle school all the way to career-ready levels. So that's from 12 years old all the way to uh, 25 years old and anywhere in between in those educational levels to teach them and inspire them and motivate them to learn about entrepreneurship, to identify as entrepreneurs and continue to develop those skills all the way up to the point of them launching their own company, not just simulating what it's like, but actually allowing them to reach development of a company and and starting up. So why is this important? Why are my proprietary programs so important? Because we can't retrofit anymore. We can't copy and paste. We can't simply translate information and put it into Spanish. The studies are already out there. We've all sit in the circles where we know exactly what to do, but not all the time can universities or governments do it through the barriers of bureaucracy. So mm-hmm. I am that friend. I am that emprende amigo that can help you navigate that gray area. I am not a nonprofit. I am not tied to some of those anchors that my partners, unfortunately, are uh, need to, but they're pros at navigating through. I support them through being able to do things at the speed of possibility. So I get started with my work before it's funded, and my work is not determined according to the funding. I'm well on my way to being a founder funder, which means that I am not going to be dependent on grants. I'm not going to be dependent on the pockets of dollars that are available out there, because if I do that, I'm going to get the same result as everybody else who's tried to develop change. How did I reach these conclusions? Through the same things that I teach. So at the same time, placing myself as as a model. I'm losing. I'm using lean methodology programs. I'm doing customer validation. I'm walking the talk, walking the walk and talking the talk and learning as I go. So I'm a, a facilitator of this information, but I'm also a student all the way through. You're fierce. That's what you are. You're a tenacious, yeah. <laughs> you are, you are fierce and tenacious and persistent. I, I, I have a question. Like, so as you said, you got exposed to these things uh, a lot of these things, right, early on at, at, at U of A and your experiences in Tucson. But I, I wonder, was that easy? Was it supernatural? Or were you, even inside of the smaller geographic context of Southern Arizona, were you still the outsider coming from the border to Tucson and having to fight to get respect and attention and like 
to have people understand the opportunity that was going on just 45 minutes south of them? Or, or was it super easy and everybody in Tucson was like, oh, yeah, we're here. We're here for you. You're awesome. Oh, it's been a journey um, for sure. You know, I've played a lot of roles. It's not like I came into the ecosystem in Tucson, which I've been a participant of since 2007 and knew what I was where I was headed necessarily. You know, I'm a I'm an early millennial. I'm that class of mm-hmm. 2000, you know, that went into college thinking that it was going to land me a different sort of opportunity. I was one of those early learners of realizing that the university didn't always exactly equate to a job. And that's really different Mm -hmm. from Mexico, right? Where la carrera is called la carrera because that is what it's supposed to lead to. And there are all those issues in in Mexico. So I think I've been kind of passionate about workforce development for a really long time because of that disconnect, you know, that disappointment (laughs) for a lot of people in my generation of the, the misfit you know, the unsatisfied promises. Uh And I'm also not an employee. You know, I was I was aiming towards employment when I'm not an employee. I'm really terrible at being an employee. (laughs) That's right. So so am I. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I am employee right now. (laughs) Yeah. She's 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 a good employee right now, but she's terrible at it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm a much better entrepreneur. I am just filled with ideas. I'm, I'm always creating and um, a you box are. isn't large enough. Yeah, it's just not large enough. So I had to I had to do my own thing. And of course, it was uh, painful because okay. we're all adjusting to the to the boxes. And I was pushing up against that. So I pissed a lot of people off. I've made a lot of people uncomfortable. I've been incredibly misunderstood but always celebrated, even though not always people understood what it was that I do or why exactly I was doing it. The fact that I never stopped, that determination um, is worth celebrating. And I've stuck by it and certainly have dusted myself off and, and cleared my mouth of dirt when I've had to eat it. And I'm still moving forward. And it's not easy being an entrepreneur. And it's certainly not yeah. easy being entrepreneurial, um, when you're truly innovating, when you're truly pushing up against what is not usual, because in entrepreneurship and in innovation, there are a lot of copycats. There really are. There's a lot of copy and paste in innovation. And that is not what I'm doing. So um, I tell people all the time that I'm like one of those clowns that you punch and you just pop back up. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Take a punch. You're, wait, you're, you're, you're the mole, you're, you're the mole in, the, in the whack-a-mole game. You're the mole, and you just keep popping up. Yeah. You're like, oh, you, you thought you got me over here. I'm over here. You thought you got me over here. I'm over here. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Stephanie, can you tell us some examples of the projects that have passed through Startups Unidos? What kind of projects are the most common? Or, or maybe you can tell us about one case that is your favorite or you are very proud of that were part of your program my 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 favorite thing is working one-on-one with with small business okay you know i created this idea of being an amigo because already the studies out there show that hispanics we want to talk to a friend we want to talk to a family member we have developed because of the disparities blocks about going into government facilities we have this fixed mindset like i was mentioning about what the result is going to get and too often times we quit before we even start. Okay. So my favorite thing is 
being approachable. My favorite thing is building the trust with the entrepreneur um, for them to be exactly as they are. That's my my favorite part. When the walls start coming down, when the trust starts being built, when the tears start to flow, when the excitement starts to build. And after that, then people can start to click. Then then that's when they create the, the creativity starts. That's when you get a better result at the events. That's when you get a, a more engagement at the workshops, you know, because we offer all those same services that every other entrepreneurship service organization offers. But the difference, our unique value proposition is really in supporting the needs of where our clients are at. And we can only understand where clients are at by asking them and then delivering. And what they've told us is that it's a really scary process that is not as accessible as we say, that it's not as inclusive as we assume. So I start there by uh, allowing them to get comfortable because once they are, once they've uh, established that friendship or that comfortability, it's so much easier to be able to support them and engage them with all of these tools that are available out there. So it's everyday stuff. It's the one of my my most recent stories I'll, I'll share with you a success story is about a small a business owner in the Douglas area who has a cafe, Blueberry Cafe. Douglas is in the United States. Douglas, Arizona is um, in the United States. It's a border okay, community yeah. that uh, borders Agua Prieta, Sonora. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's on the on the uh, northeastern and southeastern part of the of the border region of Arizona and Sonora. Um, there, every border community has their prized avenue, right? So, in Douglas, it's a G Avenue. It's that small business avenue that everybody celebrates. And Alex had to move out of her prized historic building because her business was scaling. And the building needed a lot of repairs and the city needed okay. requirements that she couldn't satisfy. You know, there were those things. She was at the point of closing her business down because her role and her focus is on her business. And all of these barriers and and challenges um, happen at scaling that, you know, entrepreneurs can't always carry on their own and they don't have the support. It's not the government that you go to to find those things. It's not a university that you go to. You have to hire a consultant, perhaps, and it's not always affordable. Yeah. So we helped Alex. We helped Alex make the transition. We helped keep her business arise, you know, the pandemic, and we helped position her in a larger facility that a different entrepreneur needed to get away from. And so we supported two entrepreneurs, one with debt relief and releasing their real estate and a different entrepreneur in occupying that property so that they can scale their business. It's the everyday things. It's not the startup pitch event. It's not those those things that you would assume because the impact of those events are like at 12% of starting, only 12% of startups actually launch from events like that. And 90 some percent of those startups will fail. So I uh, find a lot of passion and satisfaction in supporting those that are there every day. You know, they just need that friend to help them get through. How's Alex's Blueberry Cafe doing now? It's doing awesome. The last time that I walked into her facility, she has done a lot. You know, she's really uh, taking advantage of, of the new location. And uh, and even has our business model canvas hanging up there as inspiration to guide her, you know, on her her wow. day to day struggles. Yeah, so she's now successfully supporting more school lunches. Um, she satisfied the the requirements from the city, 
and she's exactly where she needs to be, you know, and had it not been for Startup Unido support services by her own expression, she may have not made it, you know, because she didn't yeah. know where to turn or what to do. Yeah, hundred percent. You're, uh, you're not only doing good work, you're doing incredibly important work. Um, tell me if you can, you already admitted this is your life's work. You're, you're, you're like me where I always, I spout off about, I'm going to be doing this until I'm 90. Right. So, so if that's true, tell us what, what Startup Unidos looks like in the next five to 10 years. Like what are, what are some of your practical hopes and plans, but also what are a couple of your like crazy ambitions that you would love to achieve? Oh, okay. So I'm already on my crazy ambition. I'm a, I'm a crazy lady. <laughs> so my goal early in five years, I will be funding Startup Unidos. Stephanie Bermudez okay. will be funding Startup Unidos. I'm on a journey to be a founder. Wow. Yeah. So awesome. in 10 years, uh, you will see Startup Unidos all over the border area. You will find us in Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and Southern California. This is really important work. 50% of all Hispanics in the United States reside across the four states that I just mentioned, across California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. If we are gonna have real conversations about boosting our economy and making it equitable, this is the, these are the states. This is where everybody needs to be paying attention. If you're a tech company, a corporation, anybody out there, a small business looking to diversify your workforce, um, with today's economy that allows for remote working um, and our top universities here in the state of Arizona and across Sonora, we are who you're looking for. You know, we, we can fill those gaps. So I'm looking at digital equity as something that is, is key for the future and everything that goes along with it. I'm also looking at workforce. It's not just about entrepreneurship. Over 60% of future jobs, we do not know what they're going to be. We need to stop showing, we need to start showing people more skills. Young people, yes, but not just young people. There's gonna be an entire wave of people who are gonna need to retire and reskill and reposition themselves. Um, so those are all the things that I'm considering moving into these next 10 years and scaling uh, Startup Unidos. That's awesome. What's, you've talked a lot, you've already answered this in some ways, but I wanna, I wanna give you a chance to even be more specific. What do you think is, one or two of the most misunderstood things about you, the people who live on the border by everybody else. So this could be beyond just entrepreneurship, right? This could just be, what do you think are like the two worst misconceptions that people need to better understand so that we can all move forward and not only develop local economies, but also just develop better, right? So the border wall is not as large of a barrier as most people think. Like the physical border wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it does not mean to borderlanders what it does for the rest of the world. There is a misconstrued narrative on the effects and impact of the physical wall. Like there's a story that others use to exploit that that harms people on the border that is not about us. It's about a story that others want to portray about the dangers of this area. So that's the first one. The other thing, it's okay, but there is this really large misconception of what the border is it, overall. It is also not only human trafficking and drug trafficking. You know, when it comes to changing the narrative of the borderlands, unfortunately, without us 
tallying the stories of successes here and of innovation, when you do a search, those are the things that you will find. You will find a lot of data put out by our state agencies about the criminal activity that exists along the border, but not enough about the gente, not enough about the businesses that exist here, not enough about the development and the innovation. And for me, it took me going back home after being gone half my life and turning over the rock and pulling the veil to see that Noales has far more to offer. So I'm inviting borderlanders to take a second look. If you grew up along the borderland and you were told that there was no opportunity there, I encourage you to visit again and to truly look at the economy that is thriving there. And in this uncertainty of the future and the future of work, begin to identify where your next opportunity might lie, uh, bringing it back home. Because without the actual borderlander there, our economy and our economic opportunities could very well uh, just copy history where people from the outside or the ones coming into our border opportunities to exploit the opportunities because we're too fixed to see them while we're right there in it themselves. That would be my message. Um, and also just to reach out. I have far more to learn than I have to share. I'm always going to keep myself creative. You have a lot to share. You may think you have a lot to learn, but you have a lot to share. And you just shared an important two minutes that defines the bigger discussion, right? So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I, I kind of set you up because I know you well enough to know that I thought if I asked that question, that you would do exactly what you just did because that we can't, you can't have the conversation that we're trying to amplify about the entrepreneurial opportunity and the entrepreneurial economy and how that changes generations and changes. We can't have that conversation. And the, frankly, you can't have the Stephanie Bermuda story without what you just shared about the two big misperceptions. So I'm, I applaud you and I'm, I'm grateful for you. Now that you already started to share with us uh, a lot of advices, we would love to hear three pieces of advice for our, our community. It can be in whatever you want, your life experience or business or whatever you want to share. Please share with us three advices. Entrepreneurship is a key. You know, whether you consider yourself an entrepreneur or not, entrepreneurship education is key. You can take entrepreneurship education into everything that you do. You will never see the problem the same if you learn about entrepreneurship. So I encourage you to do so if you haven't already done so. My second piece of advice is that it's about work, you know, um, and it's for young people. I see too many young people uh, about junior year, that third year, of high school where they the where society really starts to push up against them and ask them what they're doing next. Okay. So in the same spirit of exploring entrepreneurship, consider creating your own job. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie, for everything that you have shared with us along the, the show. It was really nice to learn more about uh, what it's to be a borderlander and everything all the work that you have done through that and all the things that you have planned for the future. Yeah, I, this is a pretty, I was really excited because exactly as you are today, sitting on your back porch in Nogales is the person you were with the energy you had when we met in like the lobby hotel in somewhere in Monterey, when you were sitting with Ruth Sobrinas from Phoenix. And I was sitting like in the table next to you guys. And we just started talking about everything that was going on and why we were there and what you were learning. And you had that same, it's like 2018, 2019, 
had that same enthusiasm and fire and passion in your belly that night when we met, which is why we talked for hours as you do today, which is, is awesome. So thank you. I'm, I'm just, that's my thanks to you for being on the show. Yes. Thank you. And also please share with us where we can find you in social media and also where we can find Startup Unidos. You can find Startup Unidos online at startupunidos.com. You can also see how we are changing the narrative and telling stories about borderlanders. You can find us at startupunidos.blog. And on social media, we are Startup Unidos everywhere. Awesome. There we go. That's awesome. Stephanie Bermudez, keep doing what you're doing. And I can't wait to, st to see it start popping up on other, other towns and cities along the border. And you always know you have a fan and support system in our network and anything we can do to help you do what you're trying to do, we're, we're there for you. So love it. Thank you. Thank you. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and Guadalajara, produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City, and promoted by the content team at Growth Hacks in Tijuana, Mexico. You can always find and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today on Instagram. If you'd like to connect with our hosts, you can find them on Twitter or Instagram at I am Rob Ryan or at Ileana JAF. Gracias, thank you, and we'll see you next time.